0: Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people, known today as the Stockbridge Muncie community. I'm Blaze Bryant. And
1: I'm Bria Barthel, delighted to be back with Blaze for our first show together since September 19th. Today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. We begin with an overview of the upcoming elections with Mark Dunley speaking with my co-host, Blaise Bryant. Then, I can't let Blaze have all the fun, so the next segment is my interview with Daniel Butterworth, Executive Director of the Refugee and Immigrant Support Services of House, about their upcoming free open house to celebrate 15 years of welcoming newcomers to Albany. Later on, we we reach into our archives for an interview Jody Cowan had last year with a group of kids about their thoughts on Halloween. After that, Sina Bazilla-Hickey talks to Joyce Henderson at this year's Halloween event at Troy Central Little League. Finally, retired National Weather Service meteorologist Hugh Johnson joins us for a look back at Hurricane Irene and a look forward at this week's weather will it be a trick or a treat you will let us know a note for those listening on monday happy halloween if you need to take a break to feed trick-or-treaters you can hear the program tuesday morning at 7 a.m or 9 a.m or catch it online to hear what you missed and for those listening on tuesday morning we hope you're recuperating okay from your sugar high now on to the headlines
0: Thank you very much, Bria. Great to be back with you, and Hugh will be talking with us about Super Storm Sandy and a Halloween storm coming up in about 45 minutes. Headline time. Students are back in the classroom after racist graffiti was found at a Colony Elementary School. Broken windows and racial slurs were found at Fort's Ferry Elementary School over the weekend. Superintendent Joseph Kaur sent a letter home to parents explaining what happened. Kaur also said maintenance staff were able to clean up the mess before school started Monday morning. The school hired a black principal, Dr. Casey Parker, this past summer.
1: A Latham company must pay $75,000 for selling counterfeit batteries to the Department of Defense. Industrial Equipment Supply Company will pay the money to resolve allegations that they violated the False Claims Act.
0: Early voting has begun in New York. Select polling places opened this past Saturday. Early voting ends on Sunday, November 6th. Check your local county board of elections for a list of polling sites and hours. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. A
1: family wants justice after an Albany woman was killed in a hit and run collision. A protest on Clinton Avenue at the intersection of North Swan Street highlighted Tanisha Braithwaite, who was fatally struck on September 14th. Multiple eyewitnesses said road conditions and visibility were clear. No arrest has been made. And that's it for the headlines.
0: This is Hudson Mohawk Magazine, listener-supported radio that builds community in Troy and the surrounding capital region through broadroots Grassroots participation.
1: Our content is produced by volunteers. To learn how you can contribute both money and or your time and skills, go to mediasanctuary.org, email us at hmm@mediasanctuary.org at mediasanctuary.org, or call us. At 518 272
0: 2390. For our first segment, Mark Dunley sat down with me to talk about the election races impacting our area.
2: We're talking with Blaze Bryan today, one of the producers at Hudson Mohawk Magazine, about the upcoming um, elections um, for mainly. State and uh, federal offices, though there are a couple of local offices in special circumstances. Um, So we're going to jump right in. Aussie election uh, early voting uh, has started. One of the local races that has propped up has been in District 2 in the Detroit City Council because the uh, previous incumbent, Kimberly Ash McPherson, was forced to resign for some uh, ballot access fraud uh, type of thing. So, um, Blaze, what what are we seeing in uh, the District 2 city council race?
0: Well, Mark, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. I'll go off of what you just said with uh, Kimberly Ash McPherson. She had to resign because of the ballot stuff that you just mentioned. And as a result... The councilors, uh, by a six nothing motion, voted Stephen Figueroa, who's now uh, the District Two representative in the city of Troy. Mm-hmm. He's running against someone named um, Ryan Brosnan, and Ryan Brosnan is a Republican. Figueroa is a Democrat. Uh, Brosnan. And we had him on, I edited the interview that he did with Corinne Carey a few weeks ago. He focuses a lot on public safety, cleaner streets, getting jobs back in the communities. Stephen Figueroa, he focuses more collaboratively on, you know, working with youth and the various offices in the city of Troy to make at a better place and this is a very significant race because depending on how this ends up turning out will dictate the balance of power in the troy city council so if figueroa wins uh, right now there would still be a democratic majority if not then the republicans and if, if brian brosnan wins i should say then that kind of flips back, so it allows the Republican side of things to keep the Democratic mayor and his office in check. Those are pretty much the words of Carmela Mantello, there, the Troy City Council president. Not mine. I'm just merely paraphrasing what she said.
2: Were there any you know major issue disagreements that defined this race besides the part and you know, other political parties?
0: I not really that I, that I saw. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear to me, you know, Steven Figueroa, he, he is, uh, kind of a minority candidate. Um, and, and I don't want to speak specifically to heritage, but that is certainly as someone who is completely blind, I noticed a very distinct difference in, in their voices. Whereas Brian or Ryan Brosnan, he, is someone he's a he's a younger person. He went through the trades, so I didn't really notice anything too extremely different. But that's also in a race like that, hard to hard to see the the similarities and the differences. Be or I should say the differences because
2: well, we have a lot of races to to get through. So let's yeah. let's move on. You know, most of the races at the you know the state level and congressional. Level. Usually are not competitive because lines are drawn to, you know, favor one political party over the other, They're a little bit different this year, just because the court with redistricting new districts, they also took control of the line so far for the Senate and, and Congress, um, certainly in the 46th district with uh, Neil Breslin, the long term um, incumbent Democrat, mainly Albany County running against Rich uh, Amador a State Trooper. Probably, you know, president wins easy, but one that has a lot of attention is the 43rd Senate District, which is part of uh, Rensselaer County, uh, Washington County, I think it may be a little bit of Saratoga County. And that's Andrea Smith, a uh, social worker lost a couple of years ago for county executive Rensselaer County, and uh, she's running against Jacob Ashby, who's the incumbent uh, state assembly member trying to run up for Senate. How's that race shaping up?
0: pretty competitively mark and I live in Rensselaer County and that is one I will uh, and have been paying pretty close attention to certainly there are some stark differences there Jake Ashby very much on the you know the bail reform and we need to just outright repeal it and uh, Andrea Smith or Andrea Smith she takes that more social worker approach and says that any non-criminal stuff relating to mental health should be going toward or should be directed toward mental health professionals instead of the police. And that, of course, is a result of what tragically has happened over the past few years with Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and others. So it's definitely a very interesting uh, race for sure.
2: Now, in the 44th, which is, I think, predominantly Schenectady County, 44th Senate, you have longtime Jim Dedesco, former city council member, former state assembly member. And now the running um for the Senate as incumbent, facing off against Michelle Osteridge, uh who is, uh, I guess, uh, maybe a county legislator in, in Schenectady County. That has become interesting because a lot of. Um, controversy over a group called, I guess, the Kennedy something, um, which is really not disclosing who they are. And have been quite um, nasty and and abusive, uh, I guess, uh, going after Michelle Osterlich, any sense what's going on in that, in that particular race?
0: I really don't know. And having met with Jim Tedisco several times through my advocacy efforts uh, and, and honestly, he's likely to win. I, I really do think so. But with that being said, I can't foresee Tedisco backing any of this stuff up. I, I really and truly feel that what's happening with this Kennedy group is, is something completely separate that he he doesn't support.
2: Now, turn turn into Congress, the two main congressional district in our capital district listening area seems pretty clear that the incumbents, Tonko versus Liz Joy, Tonko, Democrat, probably wins. And then Mac Costelli right. versus Elise Stefanik, North Country, big Trump supporter. Uh, she now has, oh, I think, almost all of Rensselaer County, a good part of Rensselaer County, at least. Uh, she probably wins The interesting one's a little bit south of us which gets confusing partly. This is where Delgado stepped down from Lieutenant Governor um, Pat Ryan versus Colin Schmidt, Colin being uh, I guess incumbent state assembly member. Cat Ryan actually is a congressman, won the election for Delgado, running in a different district, Ulster. Uh, I think Ulster County executive in the 18th. And then Josh Riley versus Mark Malinaro in uh, the 19, Josh being the Democrat, Mark being the Republican. I think many people assume Mark, as the county executive, former uh, Republican candidate for governor, would be winning this one, but he lost the um, special election to fill out the Gatto seat to Ryan by a few votes. And it seems like perhaps the whole country turns on the the Riley versus uh, Malino uh, Malinaro uh, race. Any insights into that uh, in general?
0: Well, it's interesting, Mark Dunley, because, I'm clarifying the marks here, because Mark Molinaro, let's not forget this, four years ago, ran for governor. He lost, and he has kind of been going down the political ladder to see where he can land, if that makes any sense, because I mean, he was vying for the uh, the. The seat held by Delgado, that didn't work. Okay, so let's try something else. He just seems like a very desperate candidate against Josh Riley, who really not a lot of people know. So that race is gonna be frankly interesting to see how it all plays out.
2: So we got about 45 seconds left. Everybody assumed that Kathy Hochul took over as governor from uh, Cuomo, easily wins reelection re-election because a couple million votes more for Democrats than Republicans. But suddenly, it, it seems uh, Mr. Zeldin, Congressman Zeldin, at uh, least is in striking distance. Uh, some polls have him within five, six uh, percentage points. How does that one turn out?
0: I think Holcomb retains the gubernatorial position. Having watched the debate between her and Zeldin, Zeldin just did not seem like he was you know, coming up with great Answers and Hochul did a nice job of attacking his records. That's
2: really interesting. in uh, Spectrum News, Times Union, Board of Elections, more information. Follow elections on uh, Mediasanctuary.org. Talking with Blaze Bryan and this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.
1: Thanks to Mark and Blaze for that overview. Remember, Election Day is next Tuesday, November 8th.
0: Now, Bria gets to have the fun as she brings us information about a free upcoming event by Refugees and Immigrant Support Services to celebrate their 15th anniversary of services to new Albanians. Yes, that's a real word for people in the city of Albany. Albanians! (laughs)
1: Hi, this is Bria Barthel for Hudson Mohawk Magazine, and today I am joined by Daniel Butterworth, the Executive Director of RISE, Refugee and Immigrant Support Services of Emmaus. Dan, welcome back to Hudson Mohawk Magazine.
3: Thanks for having me again.
1: And uh, I understand that this program is celebrating 15 years of service to refugee and immigrant families. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about how you're celebrating.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for RISE. RISE was founded 15 years ago as a project of the Emmaus United Methodist Church here in the Pine Hills in Albany. And it started as a project to serve a small group of refugees coming from uh, Congo and Tanzania and developed over time to serve the various needs of refugee and immigrant families as they arrive in the capital region. So this year To celebrate this 15-year anniversary, we are hosting an open house on Sunday, November 6th in the afternoon, 2 to 5 p.m. at the Linda, uh, it's WAMC Hall on Central Avenue. We're having some musical performances from uh, acts around the world, food representing a number of different cultures around the world, And we'll be talking about some of the exciting work that RISE has done past, present, and future and share a little bit about the progress we've made in this current climate and how we're moving forward.
1: And you said you have musical acts. Tell us something about the performances that people will be able to hear.
3: So this event is called Around the World with RISE. We serve individuals from over 40 different countries. And we wanted our event to kind of reflect the diversity of the individuals that we serve. So we have performing that afternoon, a Peruvian opera singer, a a Pakistani musical trio, a Kareni duo, husband and wife team, a musician and dancer, and a West African drum group. And we're excited to share these artists with our community and and have them experience some of the unique cultures that that come through Albany and through RISE's doors every single day.
1: So those musical acts sound great. And I want to go back to what you said. You work with people from 40 different countries.
3: Not on any one single day, but (laughs) over the course of the years, RISE has worked with individuals and families from over 40 different countries. Um, and they represent folks who have emigrated here um, because they, they wanted to settle here, others who are coming through the refugee process who are placed in Albany. And folks represent cultures from all over the world. Um, we most recently have been serving individuals and families from Afghanistan, Ukraine, uh, Pakistan, Turkey, Congo, Sudan, and a number of other areas of conflict around the world right now. Um, but that population shifts based on need and uh, and who's coming through our doors. We serve anyone who comes through the doors, uh, regardless of their refugee status or immigration status. We're here to help make sure that human needs are met, that folks can create sustainable and independent lives here in the capital region. And become uh, integrated into the community and become part of the fabric of our hometown. So um, we're really excited that we get to be the welcoming committee when people arrive here and you know share what this region has to offer.
1: Now, you said 40 different countries, so I imagine that's like maybe 20 or 30 different languages. You obviously don't have staff that speak each of those languages. What What is the language background or the education level of the people that you're working with, and how do you start working with somebody who doesn't have any English, maybe?
3: So our English language programs for adults, we serve individuals who have absolutely no English skills to those who are working on building their vocabulary to improve their economic and and job prospects here uh, in the capital region. So we see see about 20 or 25 different languages on any given basis. And amongst our staff, I think we have about 12 or so of those languages represented just among our, our paid staff here. We also have a long list of volunteer translators and interpreters um, who are available on call. And we're always looking to expand that list as we see new individuals here. So if you speak another language and you think you could be helpful, we would love for you to reach out and volunteer with us. It's a, it's a low commitment opportunity to volunteer, um, you know, a very occasional basis. But we, between our human resources, both paid and volunteer, and some of the great translation apps that are available, we're able to work with just about anyone who comes through the door and and be able to communicate effectively. Um, But one of our primary goals is to help build English language skills amongst uh, adults and youth here in Albany. And so those are two of our our main programs
1: So on your paid staff, you have 12 or 15 different languages covered, did you say?
3: At the moment, I think we have 12 amongst our paid staff. One of our case managers is originally from Afghanistan. Our director of family support services is originally from Rwanda. And I think between the two of them, they have nine. Uh, (laughs) So... um, And then there are a few others of us around the office who have some language skills. I myself am am trying to develop some more language skills.
1: I've worked with international students a lot, and there's an old joke, what do you call somebody who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call somebody who speaks one language? American. So Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how interesting and challenging it is to work with so many different languages. And that's one of the things I like about... Coming into the RISE office is that I often hear all these different languages going on.
3: It's one of my favorite things about being here as well. There have been some really touching moments where we've had uh, one of our adult English language classes let out for break. And you see 20 individuals of all ages from all different cultures and ethnicities who are talking in English about concepts they're learning in class. And it is... Just so incredibly heartwarming to see that diversity, the acceptance, the camaraderie. And, you know, and I think that bodes really well for the community here in Albany and in the Capital Region um, to make us more diverse and uh, accepting and um, strong.
1: And getting back to the event on Sunday, November 6th, from 2 to 5 at the Linda for WAMC, yes, we are willing to promote our competition on the radio. Tell us a little bit more. Will will many of the clients or the kids that you work with be there?
3: We are hoping we've invited all of our client families and uh, all of our after-school kids and their families. We are hoping that we see quite a number of folks from Uh, from amongst the families that we serve here. We may have a special musical act. Some of our after-school youth have been working on a choral piece and might present it at the event. We are very excited and we hope that we have a a nice diverse group of individuals from uh, amongst our client families, our supporters, our volunteers, donors, you know anyone who is interested in in the work that we're doing.
1: So whether or not they've had experience with Rise, the event is open to anyone.
3: It is open to anyone. We're we're excited to share what we do and the uh, the important work that happens here. So it is free admission, open to anyone. Donations are obviously encouraged. It helps us with our mission, but. Um, we just we want to share what we do and, and make sure that, that we are communicating the story of RISE and of RISE's client families as best we can.
1: So the event is at the Linda, but RISE is located where?
3: We're located in the Pine Hills in Albany, uh, just off Madison Avenue at Emmaus United Methodist Church. It's near the corner of West Lawrence Street and Morris Street.
1: So... You did say that donations are encouraged if people want to perhaps donate at the event they can do that and if not how how can they help you out?
3: Well, you can also go on our website www.rise-albany.org. Rise is spelled R I S S E hyphen albany.org and there is a button on there that links you to our online donation platform. RISE is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Donations are tax exempt, of course. Much of our funding comes from government grants uh, and foundation grants, but individual donors are, make a big difference for our small nonprofit and our small budget. We have a shoestring staff, but uh, everyone works incredibly hard and we are able to have a really large impact on, you know, with a with a really small staff and, um, we're always happy when people can help support that effort.
1: And besides donating money, we can also donate time. The website has information about different volunteer opportunities.
3: It does. We have a, a very busy volunteer coordinator who has been uh, helping place volunteers in all of our various programs, whether that be English language classes, family helpers, um, some immigration support for our immigration clinic. So volunteering is definitely a, a huge help to us to, to expand our ability to serve folks.
1: Thanks. So the event, again, is celebrating 15 years of service from Refugee and Immigrant Support Services of Emmaus, working with refugee and immigrant families in Albany. The event is Sunday, November 6th, 2 to 5 p.m., It's free admission. There's all sorts of international music and dance performances. You can find out more about RISE. You can find out more about what's happening in Albany with our growing population. Again, this is Bria Barthel for Hudson Mohawk Magazine talking with Daniel Butterworth, director of RISE. Thanks a lot, Daniel.
3: Thank you, Bria.
1: The date again for that free event is November 6th, 2 to 5 p.m. at WAMC's The Linda in Albany at the corner of Central Ave and Quail Street. Listeners, I hope to see you there.
0: This is Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network. I'm Blaze Bryant. The stations you're listening to, uh, or the stations that are on the network, microphone problems, WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy, WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, wooslp 98.9 fm schenectady and woalp 106.9 fm albany streaming online at mediasanctuary.org this program comes from the sanctuary for independent media in troy new york bria
1: and i'm bria Barthel. if you like what you hear share this program by telling a friend we also welcome your help with the donation of your money time, and or talent. Find today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. Now, on to our next story.
0: Last year, Hudson Mohawk Magazine producer Jody Cowan brought us a delightful conversation with a group of kids about their thoughts on Halloween. We thought listeners, like yourself, might enjoy hearing it again.
4: I'm Jody Cowan, and I do radio interviews for Hudson Mohawk Magazine, which is part of the Sanctuary for Independent Media, and I'm here to talk to you young folks. Uh, We're gonna call you all experts, because I feel like you are experts. The looks on your faces look to me like you are experts in the field. This weekend is a holiday in particular. What's the holiday that's this weekend?
0: Halloween. Halloween. October. Halloween.
4: Halloween we got going on this weekend, right? So, do you like Halloween? We enjoy Halloween. I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays when I was a kid. Now that I'm an adult with children, it is now again my favorite holiday. So,
0: I love
4: do you love Halloween?
5: Because we get candy. You get
4: candy. Anybody else, what do you love about Halloween? Just what do you love about Halloween? You get free candy. Free candy, that's an important distinction.
5: You get to carve pumpkins you and, carf- pumpkins. and what do you get to
0: be random people. Okay. You get to see all the cool uh, costumes you get to um, dress up scary because you can be
6: whatever you want you
4: can be whatever you want i love that what do you like about halloween
5: i like getting what the treats
0: <laughs>
4: you like the treats i like the treats too
5: candy candy um i
0: like just walking around and seeing everybody's costume um, I like setting up for the whole thing, putting out scary figurines and stuff. And
5: I like going out for Halloween with decorations!
4: Okay. How did Halloween start? Does anybody know how Halloween started? I'm going to just pick on one person. You look like your hand was up first. How did Halloween start?
0: Um, October.
4: We started in October. Anybody else have an answer? How did Halloween start? The origin story of Halloween.
0: Um, basically... People that, like, gave out stuff, not
2: like candy, just
4: like stuff. That's how I
0: learned that. Okay, all right. All right, we're getting closer. We're getting a little closer. Um, because they are getting ready and they get stuff out, so people know they're getting ready. Okay,
4: does anybody know what the very first Halloween was like? Very first one. What do you think?
0: Easy. The candy factories invented
7: it.
4: Interesting theory. Okay, we're going to move on. All right, so Christmas has Santa Claus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easter has uh, the Bun- Easter bunny, right? Yeah. Uh, St. Patrick's Day has. The Lep- Patrick. Leprechauns, right? Leprechauns. What is Who is the spokesperson for Halloween? Mm-hmm. Who's the keynote speaker at the Halloween uh, address?
0: Jack the Pumpkin King.
4: Jack the Pumpkin King. We'll accept that. I, Anybody else?
6: Oogie Boogie.
4: Oogie Boogie. <laughs> Esquire, right? Okay, we'll come back to you. You think on that one. Uh, people that mm-hmm. like making their costumes? people that like purchasing their costumes. You like to get a costume that's already made, we just want to put it on. So uh, by round of applause or just by noise, how many people like to make their own costumes? I know. Okay. A respectable amount of, of costume makers here. And how about people that like to go to the store and just pick out a costume? I okay, about 50-50 I would say. You have a comment on that last question? Um. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much for your input. Moving forward, I want to talk about the candy that we experience and we gather on Halloween evenings here. Does anybody have a favorite candy? I'm going to go around the room here. I'm going to find out everybody's favorite candy. Or favorite. It doesn't have to be candy. What's your favorite thing to get when you trick or treat? Reese's Pop.
5: No, Reese's. Reese's. Reese's Pieces.
4: Reese's Pieces.
5: Candy corn.
4: Candy corn. My own child. I don't
5: believe it. Uh, Um, Starburst.
4: Starburst. Favorite candy?
5: Um, Twix
0: bar. Um, Hershey's bar. Hershey's. Twix bar. Twix bars. Candy corn.
4: Candy corn. Two for candy corn. Kit Kats.
0: Kit Kats. Kit
4: Kats. Kit Kats. Kit Kats. Um, Kit Kats it is. Okay, so for Halloween traditional shows that we like to watch, what's your favorite Halloween special? Everybody has a favorite Halloween special. We're going to go the opposite way this time. We'll go this way. Anybody got a favorite Halloween special? Which favorite Halloween special?
0: Um The Halloween True.
4: Halloween True. Halloween? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus movie. Favorite piece of Halloween media. Santa movies. Santa movies of Halloween. I love it. For you?
5: The Scary Santa.
4: Scary Santa. Um I like to watch
5: Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a
4: classic. I like that one. Anybody this way? Favorite movie Halloween to watch?
5: Hocus Pocus. Yeah.
4: Hocus Pocus? Special? You back there? How about this way?
5: Focus mm. Hocus Pocus. Hocus
4: Pocus? For you. The
5: Scaredy Cats, So it's
4: on Netflix. Oh, the Scaredy Cats. That's a good one. It's Research.
0: Good. Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs.
4: Jason. Interesting. The movie...
0: Um, uh, I like Nightmare Before Christmas.
4: The Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm so glad that you brought that up, because now I have to ask. Is it a Halloween movie, or is it a Christmas
0: movie?
4: Halloween. If I show off hands on this side, how many hands? for a Halloween movie. And if you have a hand in the air, snap your fingers like this, we can hear you snapping. Mild to moderate snapping there. Uh, for those that think it's, what did we say Halloween movie first? For those that think it's a Christmas movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Not a Halloween movie, but a Christmas movie.
0: Okay, I got, it's a little bit Halloween
4: a little bit of both, right? Interesting. Very
0: yeah, interesting,
4: okay, very good. What about your favorite costumes? What are some costumes that your was your favorite costume either you wore this year or maybe last year sometime?
5: Mm, I like wearing Nightmare Freddy. Okay. I like Jack
0: Skeleton.
4: Jack Skeleton.
0: Um, I like dressing up as a
4: rock star from Kiss. Rock stars from Kiss. All right. I like
0: wearing Catwoman.
6: Um, probably um Kiss. Um, I will
4: Love it. Okay. What would be taking place at the ultimate Halloween night? Would you be bobbing for apples? Would you be at a haunted house?
0: I'd rather be in a haunted house.
4: Do you like the hay ride? So what do you like to do?
5: Um I like going in a haunted house with three witches.
4: Three witches? Yeah.
5: I like
0: doing ghost stories with my best friends.
3: I like ghost stories too.
0: Watching scary movies. That's a good one. Um well, probably going to a haunted house.
4: Awesome, I love that. Anybody have a Halloween story or your favorite part about Halloween that I didn't talk about or you didn't talk about that you want to say? What's Halloween like for you guys in California that's different than in New York? Um,
2: It's not
0: that different, it's just that it's kind of, it's less cold than it is here.
4: That is a factor here in upstate New York where it's always cold in October, where it's much warmer in California where you're (laughs) at, right? That's fun. Uh, What about candy? Do you have candy that they have in California that we don't have in New York? No, we have the same candy. Same candy over there?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> I like Nightmare Free wave in the basement. Thank you so
4: much for your time. Can I get one big group trick-or-treat? Everybody count three, say trick-or-treat. One, two, three.
7: Trick-or-treat! Trick
1: trick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Jody and all the kids for that lively look at Halloween from last year.
0: That was such a great segment absolutely loved it and as we now come back to the realities of 2022 the sanctuary for independent media went to the north central little league around the corner from the sanctuary to support their annual safe night halloween event cena bezila hickey spoke with joyce henderson
7: i am joycelyn henderson um, at the Troy Central Little League, I am the spo- one of the sponsorship coordinators. I find the money for the league to function every year, and I pound the pavement throughout the year, making other things happen, using the Little League as our home base, but operating for the entire community, and all youth, and families, so and we are
5: doing a safe
7: night event tonight. Um,
5: We're sitting at a picnic table in the pavilion next to the Little League, and the leaves are orangey turning brown. How many years have you had the safe night?
7: 13, 14 years. We've been doing this since '09. It's 22, so.
5: We've been doing it a little while. And this isn't just giving out Halloween candy. You have toothbrushes, you have socks, you have hot dogs. Can you describe the purpose of the event? Um, it's filling in the
7: gaps right now. It, you know, even before the pandemic, there's such a need for appreciation for one another. And this is just one, one small way of appreciating our neighbors, our kids. If you want your kids to appreciate what's around them, you gotta show them appreciation. Each one, reach one, teach one. You gotta show it. You know.
5: Is that generally the way that communities don't come together, or is it specific to this neighborhood?
7: It's in general. You can go anywhere if kids are only gonna be a product of their environment. How how could you expect them to be anything more or less? Show me, you know, I was raised by old school Italian father and mother who said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And with that then said, you know, kids, they, they tend to adapt to whatever environment they're in. But if they don't feel appreciated, like by giving them a little dollar, two dollar, dollar, two dollar little toy or, you know, let them know that they're appreciated, then they'll rub off that appreciation someplace else hopefully by saying good morning it changes somebody's day by saying thank you have a good day it has an impact right so make a difference be part of a difference
5: I know that this North Central Little League has been an important aspect of the community of north central troy and it has been uh, a resource for the development of community and for youth could you talk about the programming that exists here okay we do
7: we're not just six weeks of baseball we do barbecues birthday parties chris we we team up with the media sanctuary for christmas we do you know, a little Christmas, peace and justice Christmas celebration that's gonna happen on the 10th of December in Freedom Square at four o'clock. Um, little promo. <laughs> um, we also do, 4th of July we do, we do uh, Christmas stuff, we do like Halloween, we're doing safe night, right? We we wanna, we our model for the past several years was absorb absorb the door to door time and we used to when we started off we started off by doing candy haunted maze dinner and a movie we try to absorb all the door to door time because we were greedy like that and we didn't want the kids bumping around in the streets getting into God knows what, God knows where. So we tried to absorb all their door-to-door time. But because uh, strictly on account of the increase of violence we have to slow it down a little bit. This year, unfortunately and sadly, we're really sad about it that we're unable to do the haunted house because of safety, feeling for safety. Once they go through those doors and the doors close and it's in a smoke-filled room, you know, with this fog machine, our props and our kids that normally work in it, we can't guarantee their safety. And, and we fear for their safety because we don't know who's coming in with what, what they're about. Especially, you know, they come in here dressed up or not dressed up. We feed everybody, We you know, everybody gets candy whether you got on the costume or not. But we can't control what's going on in the other one's head. So, this is what it is this year we're going to just do. You know, pretty much a grab and go. We've got, we're decorated. We're doing a hayride. We're going to do the hayride that we do every year. But we can't do any, you know, anything that's isolated or with the youth doing it.
5: So visibility is important. Absolutely.
7: That's what it is. It's all about the visibility this year. You know, and just this afternoon there was another shooting, so... Um, unfortunately, this is what we're resulting to. I've got two bicycles to give away, and I originally was going to have a dance-off. And I got a bike for a boy and a girl, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to put my head around that giveaway because Knickerbocker had an issue with, with their dance party the bigger kids were slapping and, and hitting the smaller kids and stealing their candy and their prizes and stuff so I I don't want none of that so now I cancelled the DJ so there's no music
5: so d- despite the limitations it is now 4 o'clock and we have some dressed up Young people yeah. jumping in and looks like it's going to be a really great event we have a a little Yoda over there Yoda. And, and a and a spider a spider girl yeah it's not spider the comic girl. book oh oh she looks like maybe a vampire or vampiress mm-hmm. why is Halloween important what is it allow young people to express their minds run wild it it's
7: allows them to express their favorite characters or that there's somebody other than themselves in that in that day. Um, you know some of the costumes are pretty pretty wild and creative um, while other of them are like demonic then I'm like mm. but um, yeah it, it's, it's about their expression and, and they enjoy the day
5: as long as they stay safe it's worth it Do you have a costume that either you wore or family, if somebody you know wore that really sticks out to you and was like a special costume for Halloween? I'm gonna tell you
7: years ago like many many years ago my little brother was a senior in high school. I was graduated like 10 years before him. My mother didn't want to buy him an expensive costume. She was like, I'm not doing it. I bought him a flaming pink gorilla costume because, because I wanted nobody to recognize that it would be him. And literally back then, and now this is going back, maybe 30 years now, 30 years ago, I paid 200 bucks for this costume in Connecticut. And it was the biggest hit ever nobody had a clue it was him in that costume. It was great, it was great.
5: <laughs> well, for somebody who hasn't been to the safe night at the North Central Little League, what else should they know? Um, come on down,
7: we're, you know, uh, we our motto is each one, reach one, teach one. Um, but we're not just located in the North Central community we're part of the North Central community. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thanks to North Central Little League, Joyce Henderson and Uncle Mac for everything they do for Troy Kids. Jacob Boston was also reporting on the scene and will bring you more stories from the energetic event soon. Back to you,
0: Blaze. Thank you, Bria, joining us as he does just about every Monday when we're all together here is retired meteorologist Hugh Johnson. Hey, Hugh, I uh, hope you had a good couple of weeks. And I want to start off with a very timely question. What was your favorite Halloween costume you've ever worn?
6: Oh, man, that's a good one. Um uh... I don't know. The one I had on tonight's pretty good cuz it looked like I was in a in a bike wreck and it, it's going to last forever. It's a latex mask and it's uh it's not going anywhere for a while. So I guess I'll I'll go with that one. <laughs> Interesting. I can send you a picture of it later. I can send you a picture
0: of it later. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, uh if if you're good with us putting it out on the uh, sanctuary social media, then uh sure. Then by a- sure. all right, cool. Uh, I mean, I dressed up as, as myself because I'm enough of an act as it is. So uh,
6: <laughs>
0: you've got me beat.
6: Yeah, but I'm, I've done that before with me, and I guess it gets tiring after a while, so it sounded like something a little more interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you anyway.
6: know,
0: I'm like the weather, unpredictable. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so let's start off with... Uh, well, you know, sticking to and then we'll get to superstorm super San, Sandy in a second. Wow, that's a tough thing to say. Superstorm mm-hmm. Sandy. I slowed that down. Uh let's touch on the Halloween storm that hit us about 10ish years
6: ago, was it? Well, actually I think you're thinking of the one that the year before Sandy. There was a storm yes. in 2011, October. It actually was on to October 29th, but we really lucked out with that one. It was a it was a very unusually, unseasonably early uh, nor'easter snowstorm. And uh, basically, I remember following that night, it it came down to this. It was a big mega band that was trying to come into the capital region with two to four inches of snow an hour. It never did. If it had, lights would have gone out. We got four inches from it. It wasn't that wet. The leaves were, a lot of leaves were down off the trees like they are this year. So it didn't do much damage. But all you had to do, Blaze, is go south towards Poughkeepsie and Connecticut. Connecticut got crushed. Half the state was in was in the dark. Poughkeepsie had 15 inches of the snow. I mean, unheard of for that time of year. So we we just lucked out. I remember I, I brought wood. I, I was anticipating a long term power outage, and we we just lucked out with that storm. Yes.
0: Uh, Bria, I don't know if you're there, but uh, well, I mean, interesting, inter, interesting stuff. Uh, Hugh Johnson joining us here on Hudson. Mohawk Magazine, it and it's interesting to me because, in the grand scheme of things, Poughkeepsie's not that far away from us. It's an hour and a hour and change Perhaps, tree yeah. ride from Albany to well, really yeah. Rensselaer to to Poughkeepsie. So here we got fourteen like miles, got
7: right?
0: <laughs> Yeah, something yeah. like yeah. that. um Now on to Superstorm Sandy, which it was the tenth anniversary here just this past weekend.
6: Yep, on the 29th. Yeah, that one that one we did have some effects too, but again, we, 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 we dodged the major, the brunt of it. The, uh, the the saving grace for the capital region for Sandy was dry air was actually drawn in from Nova Scotia, believe it or not, and we had an easterly downslope wind, so that minimized rainfall. The strong winds were held to the coast and south of here. Uh, there were, the wind got stronger than us up in Maine along the coast, and down the but, but the, the the real legacy of Sandy was the 13, almost 14 foot unprecedented storm surge that hit Battery Park in Manhattan. a storm surge, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that does the major damage for any hurricane, and it came in right during high tide that night, right at high tide, and it, it just slammed the, you know it was a perfect trajectory for the maximum storm surge that you could get out of the storm, the southeast quadrant the storm hitting south of New York City. Everything lined up perfectly for a a, a direct hit. So that's where the area that got plastered. But it also did, it brought massive rains to Ohio, to the nation's capital, very heavy, wet snow to West Virginia. All the good forcing, all the good uh, precipitation was north, was actually uh, southwest of us. So we lucked out in that storm too. So, Hugh, this is Bria.
1: Great to have you back. Uh, I was sure. wondering if any such terrible storms are likely to come up in the next next few months. Is there anything on the horizon?
6: Well, I, I don't see anything in the next few days, thank goodness, and, and a week or so. And, and I, I can't say for the next few months. I mean, hopefully, nothing like Sandy in the next few months. But what I can tell you is that we're going to be in an exceptionally mild pattern this week, and it's only going to get warmer as we get into the weekend. We could be talking 70s this weekend. I kid you not, it will get a little windy because it will bring a south-southwesterly wind, which will help to mix things up and, and make it even warmer. But it's going to be near record temperatures. So uh, it's it's great when you get that kind of weather in early November. But no big storms on the horizon of snow. or And there is a, there is a tropical uh, wave we're watching down in the Caribbean right now. But hopefully that won't affect us. It might. It might give us some rain. By this time next week, it, we'll have to, I was just looking at that the euro. As a matter of fact, so but hopefully nothing big.
1: <laughs> and you said temperatures in the seventies is nice. I agree. I like warm falls, but it's also a little scary. Should we be concerned that it's going to be this warm this late in the, the season?
6: You could you could argue that, but I mean you know we've had this before. I mean we've had in 1975 it was a very um, very warm week in November, and, and we can actually uh, a couple of years ago. 2020 we have temperatures in the 70s so it's not that that uncommon but it's a little bit uncommon our normal highs are now what in the mid 50s so it's going to be if we do reach the 70s 20 degrees above normal we were 63 64 today so we were about 10 above normal so we I I love it myself but I do agree it's a little a little unusual but not totally off the chart
0: <laughs> I mean hey any Day longer that I can keep the furniture out on the deck is is a win. That's the way I look at it.
6: I look at it too as I can bought biking too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean and and uh, I mean did you ever think you'd be able to, you know, just bike around wherever you go on or in November? I <laughs> mean
6: it doesn't happen very often because I remember the first November I got here, '95 uh, was very stormy, quite and much colder. And I only think I rode a handful of days that year. And we actually had snow early November, and then we had a, a little more snow in the end of November. And then there, there was one storm that really we got a couple inches and in just to the west of here. They got slammed with a, close to a foot. So I mean, we are starting to get into season when we can start getting snow. I mean, we we got to keep an eye out for that for sure. <laughs> So, besides
1: not having snow, we're not even having rain this week. How are we doing for
6: precipitation? Well, we're still a little bit below normal for, but you got to remember, Bria, one thing, and I think people got to put this in the back of their mind. Our 30 year average has gone up a a couple of inches compared to last year. The new 30 year norms came out. So, it looks like we're having a dry year, but if we we took the norms from, let's say, last year, we'd be pretty close to normal, but because we are now averaging experiencing wetter than normal weather. It looks like we are a little but below that right now. So you see what I'm saying? If we took the old old thirty year average, we'd be closer to normal. So it's it's not it's all good. I mean, there's still some areas I guess that have a little bit or a little bit lower than normal, but I, I mean I've been out and I, I think the ground is pretty close to seasonable levels. And we, we had three inches of rain this month in October. We were just a little bit below normal. We were still pretty close though. So I think we're all in pretty we're in pretty good shape right now. Little drier as you go fat down towards Poughkeepsie. I think they've had less rain down there, but in the media capital region, I think we're doing okay. Well, that's, that's reassuring. Uh, give us
0: our minute forecast here, Hugh.
6: You got it. Okay, so we're going to have uh, tomorrow's going to be cloudy or maybe a few sprinkles, light showers, but not a big deal. Still mild, and then after that, we're going to we're going to have a couple of really nice sunny days, uh, cool nights, but warmer than normal days. And like I said, by the weekend, there might be one more surge of, of a little bit of precipitation but with a warm front, and then we open the door for that near record warmth as we go into the weekend uh, and the 70s. And then we'll have to watch with some rain coming early next week from the from the south, possibly from that tropical disturbance. But until then, not much rain and above normal temperatures, so enjoy. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, looks like we're about out of time. Do you have any final words you'd like to say?
6: Happy Halloween, everyone. Don't eat too much candy. <laughs>
1: what? What's the fun in that?
6: That's true.
1: <laughs> um, and actually, Cena sent me a question to ask you about fall and winter bike safety. I didn't realize you were bicyclists. Any oh, notes yeah. for other bikers?
6: Well, again, with the shortening days, make sure if you're going to be out near dusk to have lights. Um, The sun angle is lower, so you get that glare longer. So we we wear uh, reflective clothing or or yellow or bright clothing uh, because motors may not see you. It's a little hard to see at this time of year with the lower sun angle. So these are all things to consider if you're out biking. Of course, watch for the temperature change and all that. But the biggest thing is the the safety of the darkness or the glare of of the low angle sun.
0: Very good, Hugh. Flat out of time, and we've got monster mashes to do. Uh, we'll catch up with you <laughs> next week. Thanks so much for joining us, as always, here on Hudson Mohawk
3: Magazine. My
1: pleasure. Great having you back. Great having all of us together again. Absolutely.
0: Great. And we've hope you, or we hope you've or we hope you enjoyed this episode of Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Blaze Bryant.
1: And I'm Bria Barthel. Our engineer is Sina Bazila-Hickey. Always a treat working with her. So sometimes some tricks too. We wanna thank all the volunteers who made this episode possible. Other contributors to today's episode are Mark Dunley and Jody Cowan. So this program covers stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community for the community and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent media, consider a gift of a monthly donation as a sanctuary sustainer by going to Sanctuary o r g And signing up.
0: We want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Media Sanctuary, where you will see Hughes Costume, or send us an email to HMM at mediasanctuary.org. Tune in every weekday at 7 a.m., 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. to hear local news or stream Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available there as well as on most podcast platforms. We appreciate you listening. Happy Halloween. Catch us next week here on Hudson Mohawk Magazine.